Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, one of the biggest benefits to having a good financial advisor like yourself is your ability to help families with everything, including understanding when to hire an external party to help them with the transition of their wealth. You know, we talk a lot about wills and powers of attorney and even had a lawyer on the program to discuss the importance of planning ahead. Some families, though, may have to go further to ensure the organization of their estates and that their family's wealth is protected. Now, I used to think that only the ultra-rich used trust companies, but I now understand that their services are needed in a lot of different situations, and many families want and need to use them. That's why I've been uh, looking forward to today's interview and having Jessica Lowe on as our guest to talk about when you need a trust company and how they can benefit you. You're completely right. I'm excited to speak to Jessica as well from Solus Trust. Talking to so many different clients and getting really involved with families and the transition of wealth, I've come to understand over many, many years that there is a real need for trust companies. And I would say an importance of independent trust companies like Solus compared to the average bank trust services that are offered to many people. So when you're looking at a trust company, you may be looking to them to act as your executor, Maybe if you're incapacitated, you're going to have them pay your bills or even act as a trustee for the trust you've created for your children so they don't inherit a large sum all at once and uh, and spend it. They can act in that realm as well, which Jessica will get into. And many clients don't really want to burden their children with the large task of being an executor, winding up their estate. And that's, again, why you would use an external party such as Solus to do something like that. Other clients I've been in this situation have children that they deem not to be capable of being able to act as an executor or be up to the task. And some have children that live abroad that, you know, it just doesn't make sense for them. They're just not able to fulfill that role. And some people don't have children at all, of course. We should also talk about those. We have many clients who, who never had children. And so they really need the services of a trust company. And so whether you're trying to plan for the transfer of your wealth, protect your beneficiaries' assets and interests, using a trust company is definitely worth looking into. And that's why I've recommended the services of a trust company many times to many clients before. And so just make the transition of your wealth and your estate plan that much more organized and efficient. And so, again, I'm really excited to be speaking to Jessica today, and we'll dive right into it in, in a moment. Joining us is lawyer and estate planning manager Jessica Y. Lowe from Solus Trust, the largest and longest standing independent trust company in B.C., offering trust and estate services. In her role as a lawyer and the estate planning manager at Solus Trust, Jessica facilitates the process for those seeking to appoint Solus Trust in the full range of its fiduciary roles and also serves its 
its team in an internal advisory capacity. In this process, she works collaboratively with law firms, investment advisory companies, accounting firms, charitable organizations, and seniors organizations. So welcome, Jessica, and thanks for being here. You know, I'm so excited to speak to you again. I know we've spoken many times and various client situations, even my own situation. You know, I'm definitely excited to kind of share your insight and your knowledge with our listeners today, as I'm sure you're going to provide a a lot of expert advice on why people use the services of a professional trust company. Well, thanks so much, Lori and John, for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Let's start uh, with the very beginning, the very basics, I suppose. What is an independent trust company? Thanks so much for asking that. This is something that we take very seriously and that we take a lot of pride in being. As an independent trust company, we are like other trust companies in that we're regulated very strictly by the government. But what sets us apart is that we are not owned by the bank, nor are we affiliated with any other companies or businesses. So practically speaking, what that means is that when we're helping our clients who have become incapable or have passed away, we focus on assisting in our appointed role only. And that's actually where our name comes from, because solus means only in Latin. So to the extent that we need to work with other professionals for our role, and usually those are lawyers, accountants, and investment advisors, and if our clients already have these advisors in their life, we are also happy to continue working with them as well. We think that just makes a lot of sense because our clients have chosen their advisors for a reason, and these professionals already know the client's situation well. And in turn, that makes our work a lot smoother and more efficient too. So it's just a logical thing all around for us to remain objective and unbiased in this way. And in contrast, a non-independent trust company, such as a bank-owned trust company, is owned by the bank, which offers a variety of other services under the bank umbrella. So while they get appointed in a certain role, they will tend to favor the use of their own other related services in conjunction with their role. You know, Jessica, you're being very nice in the way you're describing it. But in terms of the banks, I I believe what happens is when they're appointed in a certain role, especially as a trustee, sometimes they'll take over your assets and put them all in their mutual funds and that sort of thing. And is it that in the best interest of the client? You won't know because the client's no longer able to make those decisions or no longer here. So that's why the independence is so important. And uh, I really appreciate what you do for clients and investors alike. So let's talk a little bit about the services as well that you provide, because it's such a large scale. We offer professional executor services, trustee services, and power of attorney services. In other words, we can be appointed under a person's will as an executor or trustee so that we are helping when they eventually pass away. We could also serve as a trustee for a standalone trust for somebody who needs help with managing certain assets for their care. And we can further be appointed under a person's power of attorney as well so that we are there for them to help manage their financial and legal matters if they should unfortunately become incapable later on. And I should also add that where we are not the appointed party in these roles, we can potentially be engaged by the individual who is appointed in these roles so that we can help with the legwork. 
anyone who has been in the role of an executor or trustee or appointed by power of attorney will know just how much work that is, and especially for anyone who has a day job to deal with too. <laughs> I always say being uh, appointed as an executor is not a gift, I say to a lot of clients. You know, it's uh, definitely a lot of work. And so again, having your executor be able to lean on a company like Solus to me could be very beneficial for a lot of people who have that role. Yeah, I think people certainly are starting to realize it's actually a burden and not a gift to make someone the executor. I mentioned in the introduction that uh, for a long time, I thought that only rich people needed trust company services. But what kind of people benefit from the services you provide? I would say that most people can actually benefit from our services. And we would be the best fit for anyone with, say, an average amount of assets and ranging all the way through to those with significant assets that are complicated. And by average amount of assets, I mean, for example, they own their own home and have some financial assets, all of which would need to be administered if they become incapable or when they later pass away. So certainly not just for the rich and famous. <laughs> so what are the different kinds of, of trusts, the different types of trusts that exist? And, and how do you know which one is right for you? Well, I'll start by saying that not everyone needs a trust in their estate planning, and it is important to get proper legal advice from a wills and estates lawyer. That way, an experienced lawyer can help to review your circumstances and objectives and then recommend how to plan things out properly to achieve those objectives. Perhaps for the very reasons that I talked about earlier, it might not be a good idea for a loved one to receive their inheritance outright. So that would be why uh, trust is needed, namely because someone else can be appointed to help manage their inheritance for their care. And that's basically also what a trustee is, someone who is entrusted with money or other assets for the care of somebody else being the beneficiary. To answer your question there, John, in general, there are two main categories of trusts that exist. You've got inter vivos trusts and testamentary trusts. And an inter vivos trust is one that is created immediately during the creator's lifetime and exists from that point forwards. A testamentary trust, on the other hand, is one where the terms are designed now under the will, but it doesn't actually get created or exist until after the willmaker's death. And there are a lot of variations of trust under those two main categories, depending on what the trust is being used for. And that is probably a whole other topic in and of itself. Because to name a few, there are disability trusts for those who are under disability. There are family trusts for holding company shares and other assets. Uh, there are alter ego and joint spousal trusts, which can help save on probate fees and perhaps reduce the risk of wills variation and etc. It just all depends on what the purpose of the trust is for. Let's talk about the idea of a testamentary trust again. Why would somebody necessarily need to create that upon death? What is the top two reasons that you see? Yeah, someone might want to create a trust in their will because a future beneficiary cannot or should not be managing their inheritance themselves. For example, the beneficiary might possibly still be a minor or financially immature when the willmaker passes away. It could also be for other reasons I mentioned earlier, such as a person who is under a mental disability or because they are a spendthrift or perhaps they are dealing with substance abuse issues. Also, if a beneficiary is receiving government disability assistance, that is another reason for putting in the will that their inheritance is going to be held in a trust with the proper terms, because that way it won't disentitle them to government assistance or support programs. 
Intervivos Trust. Could you comment on that again? Why would somebody want to set that up while they're still living? Yeah, absolutely. So for an intervivos trust, or in other words, creating a trust during a person's lifetime, which exists from that point forwards, um, maybe it's because someone wants to gift assets to a beneficiary now, but for it to be looked after by someone else, or maybe even for that person themselves during their lifetime. And then later on when they're gone, maybe that will passes to somebody else. But basically, they want to be gifting assets now so that they need the trust to be created now. And a different reason might be because they want the trust to hold company shares, as I mentioned earlier, as part of structuring their company for succession planning. So that maybe you put a whole bunch of different family members under the trust as a beneficiary with the idea that maybe later on they'll take over the company through that trust structure. And alternatively, it could be part of their estate planning that they are good candidates for what we call alter ego or joint spousal trusts, which are special kinds of trusts that the Income Tax Act allows. And they help to reduce the probate fees payable, or they help to reduce the risk of somebody challenging the will, if that's a possibility. And we probably don't have time to unpack all of that, but all to say that it just depends on all the, cir- the circumstances and the objectives of the client. Of course. And I think you're right with that. So what we do here, and John, as you were mentioning at the very beginning, you know, that um, having a good portfolio manager, a financial team to be able to understand that there's a need for further services. And so we learn a lot of that when we're creating a financial plan, an estate plan for clients. And then from there, we realize They need to update their will. I learn a lot about their wishes in those meetings and go, you know what? I don't know if uh, everything is set up the way that you need. So I'm going to refer you to another professional. So usually the next step is with a wills and estate lawyer, as Jessica was mentioning. And from there, then you're going to be referred to a soulless trust if you're, if you're in need of those services, for example. So again, this is what is so important is having your professionals working together in order to ensure a tax efficient transfer of wealth to your children or other beneficiaries and make sure that it's going to happen the way that you want it to happen. Because if you don't have any of this set up, it definitely won't happen the way that you want. Yeah, that was really well put. A team of advisors approach is always going to lead to a better outcome. And especially if one of those advisors takes on that role of quarterbacking the planning too. It sounds like, Lori, you're often in that role for clients and that's a great value add. I'm passionate about it, actually. (laughs) I just, there's so many people out there that have never had these conversations with their financial advisor or financial team. And there's a lot of advisors out there only providing half the services that they should, in my opinion. And so when you're really learning about people's families, people's assets, and being able to advise, you know what, you may need to talk to another professional, you may have to get Solus Trust involved. And so I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and dealing with retirees. So of course, I've come in contact with so many different families, different situations that require professional services from a trust company just like Solus. So when is a good time? When should someone start to think about setting up their trusts and their estate? Is there a good timeline? One, obviously, once you've acquired some wealth, I would imagine, but what would you suggest in terms of chronology? This is such a great question. Thanks for asking it, John. It is so important that everyone start doing the proper planning now in view of their own unique set of circumstances and to get that into place. It is when things are good and fine that we should all be attending to our planning and not wait until the situation is bad or health has started to decline. 
when things are good, we can think clearly and not feel time pressured to make split-second decisions. Also, if somebody has appointed soulless trust, then what I will additionally be guiding them to do is to gather all the necessary information for our client file ahead of time and to encourage them to keep us updated from time to time as things change as well. Because by additionally gathering everything now that, say, a future executor or person appointed under power of attorney would later need, the idea is that we will then have most, if not all, the information we'll need when we eventually step in. Then it will be very smooth, organized, and efficient in terms of the process of beginning to manage things either for an incapable client or to help administer their estate. Now, before I joined Solus Trust, I was working as a wills and estates lawyer in the law firm setting. And I can tell you firsthand that the very not ideal time for someone to start setting up their planning is on their deathbed or when they've already started to lose their mental capacity. It is far more complicated, for example, when someone is on strong pain medications that alters their clarity of mind or they have dementia because it gets very tricky as to whether they can still do proper planning. And someone might more easily legally challenge their planning later on as well. It can be way more expensive because of needing a lawyer to drop everything and travel to the hospital. And the meetings will also usually take more time as well. And alternatively, it may also be too late at that stage to do any planning due to a person's condition because they're just no longer able to communicate their wishes or their mental capacity is too diminished or uncertain for valid planning. So the moral of the story here is to do your planning early and do it now. Things change. You can always update. I've, I've definitely seen that. You know, brain tumors, for example, uh, can really change your ability to make decisions and trying to get things organized at the later stages. And whether they hold up as well is another issue. And so lawyers are always wanting to ensure that you have the cognitive ability to make those decisions. So yes, while you're healthy is 100% the best way to go. Uh, but I would say things can still get done, right? Like say you didn't have a plan and you weren't organized. I have seen lawyers go to hospitals and things like that. So, so you know, people can make it happen uh, if, if you need to. So just be assured of that as well. And so just talking about taxes a little bit here in Canada, I mean, probate is not very high here in BC, but there are ways of structuring your estate so that you're you're not paying as much in probate fees. And maybe you have some suggestions in that corner. And, and we realize like every uh, situation is unique, right? It's hard to kind of give a blanket, uh, kind of uh, give blanket advice on, on the subject, but maybe you could just touch on that. Yeah, so luckily for us Canadians, there's no quote-unquote estate tax, so to speak, unlike for our neighbours to the south. However, each province does get to set their own processes for what we call probate. And probate is the court process that the executor will likely need to go through before they are able to begin doing their work. Now, during this probate process, the courts will be looking at the total value of estate assets covered by the will and charge probate fees on that value. So here in BC, our probate fees are approximately 1.4%. In other words, on a million dollars of estate assets, that would amount to about $14,000 of probate fees. So not huge in the scheme of things as far as a um, sort of tax goes, but something to be aware of. And so if somebody were to be considering how to reduce the probate fees payable, 
Then as between spouses, certainly making sure that assets are in joint names and that any registered assets, more commonly RSPs or RIFs or TFSAs, are designated to the other spouse. And for someone who is 65 or older, they can also talk to their lawyer about whether it's a good idea for them to set up an alter ego or joint spousal trust. Now, I would say that a lot of times the reason that there are complexities when a person passes away is because they've tried to reduce or avoid paying probate fees and doing that in sort of a do-it-yourself sort of manner without consulting a lawyer. And so they might be putting assets in joint names with an adult child, or they might be putting beneficiary designations on their assets. Then for one reason or another, it's probably not a good idea, um, especially going back to the putting an adult child on an asset as a joint owner, that can really lead to some big problems because unless there's some additional evidence on top of doing so, so in other words, having maybe a legal document that explains why they're doing that, um, this can often end up in courts because the courts will have to then determine whether or not this person actually intended for the gift to go to this joint owner. Or if there's no evidence of that, then the law actually views that joint owner or adult child as actually holding it on behalf of the estate beneficiaries. So um, just to say that when it's not spouses, that joint asset approach of planning actually really needs to be assisted by a lawyer to do that properly. Most people run into trouble there. If everything runs fairly smoothly and nobody's contesting the will and, and there isn't bickering going back and forth, etc., how long does it take to administer an estate from front to back? Yeah, each estate is different from the next. And so the time it takes to administer a particular estate will vary. Simple ones can be quicker and others can take a lot longer due to a complex asset situation or, in the worst case, when litigation arises. However, I would say that perhaps for an average estate, it might take about a year and a half or so. And usually the ultimate length of time is dependent on that last tax filing step because an executor needs to wait for the appropriate season to file the last tax return and also wait for the CRA to process things and then confirm that there are no taxes owing. And it's after that that the executor can then fully distribute the estate. So I also have a question just again about the services and, and maybe even the fees as well. In terms of the services that we didn't touch on, which I always think are interesting, and I've seen this in a particular client situation, is where there were two spouses, one spouse passed away, they had one child that lived abroad, and and the other spouse that was surviving was really worried that if they had a stroke or something happened to them where they became incapacitated, who was going to pay their rent, who was going to pay their phone bills, utility, and all the, this sort of thing. Can you maybe explain in that situation the month-to-month -month kind of things that you would do, not just the executor role, I think that we've really hit home on, as well as the trust situation, but also these other services that Solus provides? So I think the question there is, what does it look like when we step in in the case of incapacity and someone has appointed us under a power of attorney? And so with respect to when we're acting under power of attorney, the first thing that we need to do when a person first, when our client first becomes incapable 
is that there's quite a bit of setup work involved at that stage because the first thing we do is to connect with their family member to see if, and, and I'm assuming the family member is the one who's making the healthcare and personal care decisions. So connecting with that family member to see what they've decided about this person's health and personal care. Are they going to be staying at home with the help of a caregiver or are they going to be moving into an extended living type situation? So depending on that, we look at their assets and we might touch base with someone like yourself, Lori, at that point, if, if someone like yourself's involved. And then we will help with the budgeting for that. And then next, we have to contact each one of the third-party organizations that a person normally interacts with, whether that's the bank, the CRA, the government, and uh, what have you, whatever they might have in their lives, depending on their assets. And we then need to go through each and every one of those internal processes of third parties to get the power of attorney recognized and so that we can then be that contact person for their purposes. Now, once things are set up, then we can begin to help with assessing what are their regular bills that need to get dealt with. And so we set up systems for payment for those and making sure that they don't default on any of those payments. And we also help with connecting with their accountant to oversee the tax filings year after year. And of course, whatever other one-off transactions that are needed during the year to help take care of this person, we're also going to be helping with that as well. I was interested to learn that, so say somebody's at home still and having full-time care or whatever it might be, you know, what happens if they need the lawn mode still and, and that sort of thing that you'll actually step into that capacity and continue paying the gardener, right? And I mean, you're mentioning CRA and some of these other ones that definitely are front of mind, but then there's some of these other payments that you don't even think about, but uh, you would have to take over as well. So power of attorney is such an important part of estate planning. And I often say, you know, I don't want to say more important than the will, but it is very important. And so everybody should have a power of attorney, whether that is a family member or whether it's a trust company like like Solus is I, I think it's something that needs to be discussed anyway. That's absolutely right. It's a very vulnerable time for someone to be incapable or losing capacity. And so, yes, uh, arguably it's just as or maybe even more important than doing one's estate planning. And just another follow-up question is in terms of the fees and so on, I know it varies for different kind of estates and net worth and so on, but maybe you could just touch on that because people are going, oh, wow, they can step in and do a lot. What are the fees for this sort of thing? Yeah, well, I should probably explain something that people don't often realize, and that is that family members and friends who are in the role of executor or trustee or sometimes under power of attorney as well, are generally entitled under the law to be paid when their job is done. And it's a sliding scale um, for the estate context anyways, depending on how difficult the job is and, and also on a number of other factors. In our pricing, we always ask ourselves what the law would likely say that a normal person would be entitled to get paid in this particular set of circumstances. We then price ourselves comparable to that. And that is how we add value to our client situations because we offer professional level services for essentially the same amount one can expect to pay a family member or a friend. Yeah, and that's usually a certain percentage of the estate, I think, is, is how that works. And again, it differs whether it's, you know, a one-time executor type fee or whether it's ongoing trustee fees. What I do know and can say is that Solus, as an independent trust company, 
is a heck of a lot cheaper than most bank trust companies out there. And so you're getting that independent advice. You have them using other professionals that are in your life already, if you have them, and being able to continue on if you're incapacitated or if you've passed on and, and it can be dealing with your family members going forward. So I think that is the real value of hiring a trust company to help with your estate plan. Yeah, and I used to tell my law firm clients, do your homework. Uh, do go and talk to different trust companies and do your due diligence. And so that's usually the best way to go, I suppose, with most things is to do your research. Jessica, before we let you go, how can people learn more about your services? Where do they find you? If anyone wants to learn more about our services or how to appoint us, I would welcome them to reach out to me for a conversation. My contact details are on our website at www.solistrust.com. Or if you just contact us generally by phone or through our website, you'll get through to me that way as well. So please feel free to go and explore our website. There's quite a bit of information there, too, about who we are and what we do. And what is your direct line as well, Jessica, just in case? So my direct line is 604-683-5949, and my extension is 2118 if people want to give me a call. Perfect. Well, we really appreciate all the insight that you've given us as well as our listeners. And I'm sure people who haven't thought about using a trust company before will think again. Jessica, we always wrap up the program with a quote to uh, give us something to think about until the next show. And you have been appointed the uh, person to come up with a quote. So what have you come up with us for today? Over the years, I've often encouraged people in this way. Planning is about caring for our loved ones in addition to ourselves. If we engage in the work and complexity of doing our planning now, then the easier and simpler things will be for our loved ones in the future. Conversely, if we take the easy route and don't think about our planning now, then the more work and complexity and stress it will be for our loved ones in the future. Thank you, Jessica. And we appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Jessica Lowe, a lawyer and estate planning manager from Solus Trust Company. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jessica. It was great speaking with you, and I look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks, John. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.